this is really exciting because uh, James and I have a kind of cool origin story of how we got to know each other, which I do want to dive into. But we're also going to get into James's background and his story. And he has a pretty crazy, awesome story, and he's up to big things. So stick around because we will get to that. Um, but first, we're going to talk a little bit about um, you know, how James and I met, which is pretty, pretty funny yeah. and cool. Um, I don't know, maybe, maybe I think it'd be good to hear your side of it and I'll kind of share my insight. <laughs> you know, what's funny is I honestly, I mean, you know, my mind works so hard all day. Instantly it comes over a state of like, oh my God, how do we meet? Well, well, the, the first time that I think we met is the uh, business mastermind group. Is that right? No, the Achievers Conference. Oh, the achiever. Okay, yeah. So we so, did met. We yeah. did meet at a conference. <laughs> See, yeah, it took me a second. He's working we, hard. All right, He's, it's late night. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. It's a late night. But it's the okay. thing is, is I will say that conference people are the best people. We were just laughing about uh, conferences, like personal development conferences. And it's like, of course, I met Nick at a conference. <laughs> like everything that we get along about is related to personal development and growth. I mean, I. I it feels normal now because a lot of my friendships I've surrounded myself with people who are reading books and practicing gratitude. But at that time in my life, um, when we first met, um, I'll speak for myself, but I wasn't. I think you could probably say the same thing in that like a lot of your friends were people from high school or people from college that you share these awesome memories with, but maybe weren't so focused on um, being the best version of themselves. Um, and we're kind of just trying to enjoy life, which is totally cool. Um, but I remember when we met, I was like, oh my gosh, this is someone who's growing the same way that I'm growing and has that growth mindset as opposed to a, a fixed mindset. Yeah. And that was awesome because we was Tony Robbins. So we were screaming, jumping up and down. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, we engaged a little bit when we were talking, but it wasn't until after, because for me, you know, like we were talking about trying to surround yourself with people, you know, I took off work, you know, from my full-time job to go to that event, and I was trying to find like-minded people, and, you know, so Brian kind of introduced me to you and Bill, Sure. and then I kind of followed up and was like, let's connect, you know, because I was trying to, you know, get in touch with you and just get to know you better, and eventually you were like, all right, what's, what's this kid's deal? Like, you know, he's speaking on stages. What's going on? Let's meet up. So then we met up at your place and we talked for like three hours. You know, it was like one of those moments like, do we just become best friends now? <laughs> <laughs> and, and we quickly, I mean, it, we must have formed the, the mastermind group pretty quickly after. Um, somebody gave me a piece of advice and maybe this will help somebody who's listening, which is that um, if you don't have the money to pay for some thousand dollar mastermind group, then what you should do is just start your mastermind. So find, you know, two, three people ideally that are at kind of the same level or similar level of business as you and are looking to uh, improve and uh, put you all in a group and see what comes out of it. And uh, it was such a beautiful chemistry. It was me, Nick, and then uh, my friends, Steve and Regina. And that group, it was short-lived, but in yeah. those like three to four sessions, we went deep on yeah. some stuff, which, uh, you know, it was pretty beautiful in retrospect. progressed yeah. since then. Yeah. I mean, all of us basically made huge strides to what we talked about during that time. You let, know? Let, let's just run through this because this is, uh, this is pretty amazing when you think about it is, um, so it was the four of us, right? It was, it was myself at the time I was, uh, I was working with Bill at the digital marketing company and, uh, I was feeling like I wanted to start my own thing and we're sitting in a new office. That's, <laughs> that's my office now. So pretty cool. But, uh, you were working at a job and actually your big realization was you wanted to move into a place of your own, mm -hmm. which triggered you from moving into now going out and forming your own brand and mm -hmm. your own company. Um, and the same is true about Steve and Regina. Steve was feeling stuck in his, uh, job at Lankabar and his family business. Um, and he ended up moving to New York. And like is now pursuing uh, social entrepreneurship, which is amazing. And Regina left her corporate job during our mastermind at her law firm and now relocated out to Phoenix and is a coach. Yeah. 
And literally that's four people that all in the same group made monstrous life decisions. And you have to think that a part of the courage in making those decisions is being surrounded by cheerleaders that say, own your dream, follow your dream, <laughs> Nick, you can do it. Because a lot of people don't, don't give you that type of energy, you know? Yeah. And it was, it was awesome. It was such a, um, you know, cool group. We opened up like real quick and things just started happening. But, you know, thinking back on it and looking at it, I mean, we really have come a long way, uh, especially you, Mr. Top Dog. <laughs> um, you know, why don't we go a little bit uh, into you and like um, how you kind of started this company or, you know, what exactly you, what you do? Yeah. Um, so uh, it's funny to, and this is just a note, it's funny to uh, like look back. This wasn't that long ago, but in my head, it feels really long ago. Maybe some time would be perspective. I think we had the group. Um, I was living at home and I've been in my place for like eight months. So, I mean, it had to be a year or so. A year plus, yeah, but year. but not that much longer than that, you know, yeah. so maybe like 15 months or, yeah. or so, like less than a year and a half. Um, and so um, I, at the time, was selling digital marketing to lawyers. Um, I had my law degree, but I wasn't sure that I was going to uh, pursue law. I think when the group had formed, I had made the decision that I wasn't going to go to the corporate law firm. And that's probably a, a good place to start because um, I felt so much pressure. Um, and whether this was pressure that anybody told me or pressure I put on myself from what I thought I heard from people uh, was that I had to go work for this corporate law firm, that this is what I was supposed to do. This is why I was going to law school. This was the dream job that everybody coveted. Um, and what happened is through my journey of sobriety, right, which I'm sure I'll, I'll talk about, um, I came to the realization where I, I started questioning everything. And that was something that I decided, well, maybe this doesn't make the most sense for me. And so I had just made that decision, which um, probably was the biggest decision. But uh, I still hadn't thought about putting together my own company. At that point, um, I was making money selling digital marketing. It was residual income. I was feeling very free. You know, I went uh, and I think right after that group ended in the winter of 2018, I went and lived in Miami mm -hmm. for all of January right. and February yeah. and um, was certainly experiencing the freedom that comes with uh, a life where, you know, you're working digital, like a digital nomad kind of life. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and having that, that income being able to go wherever, and that's awesome. Yeah. And now you're, now you're here and, you know, just killing it, the law firm all over uh, Instagram. Just yeah. Just a machine. Um, but, and you, and you mentioned your sobriety, and I do kind of want to go into that because I think that there is, you know, there's something to be said about having that type of, you know, origin story. And, you know, we're talking about, you've come a long way um, from a year ago from when we first met, but you had already had, uh, you know, a monstrous journey before that, before yeah. we had even met. So why don't you take me a little bit through that kind of transformation? Yeah, I think what, um, what might be helpful, because I, I know, uh, you know, we probably have some crossover here, people watching, and, and sometimes I assume people might know the story and they, they really don't as well. And I just kind of take from the beginning and, and work chronologically. Um, and so, you know, I grew up in the burbs and, uh, you know, I, I uh, was the president of my class in high school, which I think is funny. It kind of shows um, where I was at mentally. Like I had all these ambitions of like going to law school and of, um, you know, I always did very well in school. School was like incredibly important to, to my, my family. And I always uh, took pride in my schoolwork and getting A's in like high level classes and stuff. Um, but then on the side, I was living this double life, right, where I was um, doing all sorts of buying and selling drugs, uh, particularly around Percocet, right, painkillers. I definitely fell right into that epidemic, like even as young as like 16, 17, um, doing, you know, Percocet, uh, regularly doing Oxycontin, uh, before school around school it was really like the very end of high school. Um, and at the time it felt 
normal. There were a lot of kids that played sports at the high school I went to in particular that were messing around with painkillers. Um, but I, I didn't notice at the end of high school that it was a problem. I remember a girlfriend um, had, as we split up, had said, uh, you know, I was a pill head. And I remember at the time, like, kind of laughing it off, being like, because I hadn't suffered any consequences, right? And being like, get out of here. Like, I'm going to college. I'm this, you know, egomaniac. Like, I, I'm going to go do these big things. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, but over the course of my time at Penn State, the the struggle with pills became worse and worse. Um, and it got to the point my junior year where, you know, enough bad things had happened. I, like, owed a bunch of money and... Um, I was incredibly chemically addicted. So if I didn't have, you know, at least, you know, three 30 milligram Percocet pills per day, I was going into withdrawals. And uh, my mom, I remember my poor parents, like I, I, uh, I needed to figure out how to tell them um, because I, I honestly just owed people money and like knew I needed to get help. But uh, I was so terrified to, to say anything about it. So I went to this, uh, I, I found this doctor that prescribed this medicine to treat it. It's called Vivitrol. It's like a shot that, um, prevents you from using opioids for 30 days. And so, uh, like a true addict, right. I went to them and it was like, Hey, I have this problem with painkillers. Um, but good news. I have a solution here. I'm going to go see this doctor and basically, I'm going to get this shot once a month and we're just going to pretend this whole thing just never happened. By the way, like I owe like $8,000 so just like write a check, you know, thank you, got the got a deal. And um, what's crazy, and this is a symptom of the stigma, I think, is that my parents at the time were kind of like, yeah, that's the best route. We don't want anybody like, let's cover this up. Right. And I don't think that that's any fault of their parenting as much as it is like it's like such a concern what your neighbors and like what your uh, outside family thinks, extended family thinks that it was like my parents couldn't bear telling people that this is what I was going through. It was like it was a reflection on their parenting. Mm -hmm. And so the the easy solution for everybody was. We're just going to push this under the rug like this was just a phase, you know, um, you're going to be OK. Um, and what I found out over the next like three or four years was I was not OK. I had a, uh, a serious um, problem with substance use disorder to the point where I, you know, almost lost everything. Um, I was working for a judge bringing pills into the courthouse working there as an employee. Um, and it finally culminated, um, with a, uh, breakdown of sorts after a long trip in Las Vegas. Um, I had like, um, withdrawal induced psychotic episode, um, where fortunately, you know, I didn't cause any damage to, to myself or anybody else. I know that's kind of a fancy word. Basically what happened is like, I just, freaked out and broke, broke down and basically called my therapist crying and said like, I can't live like this anymore. And, um, it was that like window, that moment of grace where, um, I got to press the restart button on my life. And, uh, it's funny, you know, we talk about like these moments of growth, but what you bring up is very true in the sense that that was the hardest work. That was the work you know, starting over like that was the work that um, really provided a launching place for me. Um, I love the saying, and maybe I'm just making it up. I'm not even sure if it's a saying, but like rock bottom, hitting rock bottom like a trampoline, right? Is that I believe if your life is just mediocre and things are just kind of shitty, you never have that punch in the face moment where you reevaluate everything and what I'm grateful for and why I'm grateful for opiates generally is it gave me at 25 years old, the opportunity to look at my life and say, is this who I really want to be? Is this all that I am? And, um, it made me question if I was so wrong about drugs and alcohol and what I thought was cool, 
maybe I was like dramatically wrong about the food I was putting in my body, right? Maybe those people who were eating salads that I used to make fun of, or those people riding bikes, maybe they were right. Maybe living healthy made you feel better. And I always dismissed religion, but my, the pair of glasses I had was wrong. So why don't I try going to church again? And I never really understood anything about art, but while I'm reevaluating everything, why don't I go to the museum? Right. And, um, it's not as much about those specific things as it was just, um, my perspective shifted dramatically and I started to build the person that I wanted to become, um, which has been a journey, um, that I've been on the last like three years and a couple months. And, uh, I'm grateful to have met you on that journey, brother. Yeah, yeah. it's awesome. And I think, um, you know, we, we've always talked about it a lot, and you, you kind of started to touch on it, and it's kind of the theme of uh, this podcast, of, of like the habits that you start to mm-hmm. develop. And obviously, you know, you had bad habits, but now, you, you know, when you reinvented yourself, you were able to create new habits, mm-hmm. and that's kind of like a big thing. And I'm always thinking about it. You know, we're both big Brendan Burchard guys, high sure. performance habits, and, uh, and I knew you were at his event recently. And so that's always such a cool thing. I know that you were doing like ice showers in the morning. <laughs> so why don't you tell me a little bit about some of your you know daily habits and routines like that that you really think have impacted you and been able to help you. Um, kind of continue to grow and get to where you are now, dude. Thank you. What what an important question, and I know that um, you take your habits uh, and your routines very seriously. Um, so let me provide some context. So uh, self esteem, right? Self confidence comes from keeping promises to yourself. And um, when I got sober, I had extremely low self esteem, extremely low self confidence. Um, the obvious reason why is because I had promised myself every day for seven years that I was going to quit doing drugs and I never kept that promise. Right. So if anybody's sitting at home and they, they feel you know shitty about themselves, they feel like they have low self-esteem. Uh, what I would recommend is to create small promises to yourself and to keep them. Um, and for me, uh, fitness was an area where Uh, I was very able, and to this day, I'm very able to keep promises to myself. It's very um, concrete. It's very um, certain, right? Like, if I say I'm going to run a mile, I run the mile, and then I go check. Um, There's not too many other things in life that are, you know, as concrete as fitness. So even if that's starting by doing 10 push-ups, do it, right? And um, what... I was able to do was I kept a lot of really small promises to myself over a long time. Um, and through doing that, I built myself up to a point where now I have self-confidence, which I define as the ability to believe that I can figure things out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when it comes to my own you know, personal habits and routines, um, I think the most important thing is that I, if I tell myself I'm going to do it, I believe that I'm actually going to do it, which I think is something that a lot of people struggle with admitting admittedly or not, right. Mm-hmm. Is, um, you know, look at the stuff that happens in every January, we're coming up on the new year, like every January, right. You, yep. uh, you make a promise and then you don't keep it. Um, so a little bit about my uh, habits and routines is um, I wake up and go to the gym. Um, it's not as much for the looks, although uh, I definitely feel better when I feel like I look good. Um, definitely. But, definitely. <laughs> yeah, but, but um, it's more the mental space. Yeah, I wake up in a negative mindset every single day. I think, I think things like uh, I don't want to get out of bed. Um, I wonder if I can go home early today. Do, do I really need to work out? All those thoughts come into my head every single morning. Um, and I've just known because I've done it, you know, a thousand times in a row that if I go to the gym at five, I wake up at five, I go to the gym, I get to the gym by five thirty or six or whatever, that I'm going to be much, much happier the rest of the day. And so I, I do it. Um, I do it. And so, uh, the morning workout is probably, the biggest part of my rock solid routine. Um, I get done the workout and I eat the same breakfast every day. I eat, um, two egg whites and three eggs 
and black beans and sriracha. Um, black beans are like a carb that burns slowly. So they're not um, like a fast carb that gives you like intense energy, but is not good for you. They're a slow carb. I eat a lot of lentils. And so um, what I tend to do is I'll put something inspiring on during that breakfast time. Um, and then I'll continue listening on my way to work. Um, so I've, I've uh, actually criticized myself for lack of meditation. And at some point, I'd like to find a way to work meditation in my morning routine. But as of now, you know, I wake up, I go to the gym first thing, and then I get done. I listen to something inspirational as I eat breakfast and as I um, go to the office. And for me, those two things collectively put me in a, a generally good mood for the day. Yeah. And it's interesting because, again, I feel like fitness is is – such a powerful mm. one and and I think the problem that people struggle with is like getting started and like you said like once you start doing it and you get that compound effect of consistently working out that's when it works like you know that if you like you go for a run you're like oh man like that felt good you mm. know afterwards there's like that 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 feeling of accomplishment and when you can continue to continue doing that and putting those good habits, you start to realize, man, I feel amazing. Like, yeah. Especially when you do it on like the weekends and you're mm. like, man, I've worked out, you know, like a month in mm. a row yeah. and you feel like a superhero. I know. And I've, I've been slacking recently. I've been like kind of injured. So I haven't been running. I'm taking a break from football so I can recover. <laughs> um, but to me that I, I can't wait. I want to get back to being able to run on a consistent basis because I want to get back to that like feeling like a superhero everyone wants to feel like a superhero come on and literally i promise you if you work out for a month straight commit yourself to healthy eating and exercise you will feel like a superhero after a month i would go as far as saying at least for me personally and you know i i crave that dopamine that endorphin rust right like i think i'm chemically wired that way but for me even a tough weights workout doesn't do it for me anymore the run is what does it for me. Mm -hmm. um, there's something about the runner's high that I just absolutely love. And I hate running. That's the weird thing. I hate running, but I love the runner's high. Um, and I can't articulate it. Like I want to scream it from the rooftops because I think that a lot of people's problems could be solved by just a quick, a quick morning run. Um, I would like, if it's okay, to touch on some of the uh, like kind of business tactical habits I've, I've developed, too, because yeah. I think I, there's some things that um, have worked really well at our law firm at Top Dog Law. Um, we're a personal injury law firm in Philadelphia. I hadn't really uh, talked about that. And uh, what's been so exciting for me here is um, the challenge of leadership and team building. Um, that was something that I realized when I was kind of doing the digital nomad um, four hour work week type lifestyle was that just for me personally, I wanted to lead a team. I wanted to play quarterback. I wanted to have other people uh, to share my vision with, to share the journey with. Um, and there's nothing more exciting to me than when somebody else buys into the vision because it's like, oh my God, this crazy thing that I made up in my head, like they're actually like leaving their old job to like come work at this thing that I made up, right? It, it like blows my mind to this date. We have a new employee starting Monday and he's leaving this prestigious law firm to come work here and he's um, super emotionally invested. I'm, I'm really excited about him joining. And um, that's been fun in from a growth perspective because, uh, you know, it, I started picking up every book I could read about like being a boss and like leadership and team building and culture, right. And all those sort of things. And, um, just a couple tactical things that have worked for us. Um, one, this is more personal, but, uh, monthly project planning. Mm -hmm. Um, you can do this either personally or with a team, but the first of every month. So, um, this week, the first is on a Friday. So we're going to do it on Monday, the fourth. Uh, but we'll sit down at this table that we're sitting at and we'll go over, okay, in the different areas of my life, i.e. the different areas of your, uh, of your uh, sorry, 
in the different areas of our business, which is if you're doing it as a business, or the different areas of your life, if you're doing it personally, what are the major things that I want to get done this month in this area of my life, right? And then from there, you know, instead of once a quarter, every single month, you're saying, okay, by the end of this month, I want to have four podcast episodes done. Mm -hmm. And then during our weekly meeting, we review our monthly projects. And so we say, okay, we had written down that we wanted to have four podcasts done this month. In order to have four podcasts done this month, we need to have the equivalent of one per week. It looks like right now we're on the eighth day of the month and we don't have a podcast yet. That means we're behind track. So that means this week we need to have two podcasts to get onto track for our monthly projects, right? And um, we've done that now um, four or five months in a row as a team. And it's awesome to watch the momentum build upon each other. Um, and with our weekly meetings, what we're able to do is we're able to track uh, metrics from a scorecard. So um, some of the, the metrics we keep track, and this is specific to our industry, but um, you know, total leads, signed cases, referred cases, we have numbers to designate customer service. Um, on the marketing end, we keep track of how many new Instagram followers we get every week, right? And um, what that allows you to do is from uh, you know, an objective perspective, you can analyze, okay, our goal was to gain 1,500 Instagram followers this month. In order to gain 1,500 Instagram followers, what we need is at least three, or I guess 350 to 400 followers per week. Last week, we got 600 followers. We're on track to hit our monthly target. And then the person who's responsible for owning that monthly project, the director of marketing says, on track when we talk about that, right? And um, those, for me, uh, have worked incredibly well for learning a business. Um, have you ever experimented with um, the Brendan Burchard's daily prioritization sheet, the PDF? I mean, I have his planner, which I've looked at a yeah. little bit, but I know the sheet that you've referred to it before. Right? Yeah, it's called a productivity planner. I, I geek out about it. You were like, <laughs> he's way too excited to talk about this stuff. Um, but what you write down is like the three major projects that you have going in your life and then the five steps you can take to move each project forward. Mm. Um, in addition, you write on who you need to reach out to today and who you're waiting on to contact you today. And then last, which is most important on a daily basis, is what are the main things that I have to get done today? What are the two or three things that have to get done today? If nothing else gets mm -hmm. done, these two or three things get done. And if you're able to keep your word to yourself on those two or three things, mm -hmm. big mo, that momentum like is unbelievable. Because what you realize is you might spend all day checking off a checklist, but you don't hit those like two to three major things, those hard things, right? Those things that make you like uncomfortable in your stomach. Like those are the things you should be attacking first. Mm -hmm. um, and those are usually my two to three things. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of times they're big things too. Mm -hmm. And we tend to wait on the big things and we try and get those little things done. I yeah. know I struggle with that. I'm like, well, I get this done real quick and get this done. But really we should attack the biggest things first thing in the morning. And it, you mentioned that's like a PDF, but he basically built the high performance planner off based of off of that yeah. sheet because it does have all of those things in it. It's like, who do I want to contact? Who, and it goes much more extensive in the planner. There's yeah. like even more, there's like 10 different prompts and questions and stuff. And it, yeah. It has your schedule so you can uh, use things based on um, hourly. I do like it, but I don't use it the way that it's designed where you're like consistently, yeah. you know, writing it down and, and doing it continuous. I mean, I have my own regular routines of, of writing goals, but that's a really cool aspect um, of, of things that you can implement into your life. Again, that doesn't need to be, um, you know, a business thing. It can be done mm. based on, you know, you as your, um, you know, personal. And that's kind of what this is all about. Yes, this is like more entrepreneur focused, but there's definitely a lot of value from that in just your personal gains. Yeah, I mean, one of the projects could be um, developing relationships. Hey, Nick, you might want to hit that. Yeah. Um, one of the um, one of the monthly projects might be developing relationships, right? And so, um, what you might think of is 
five thoughtful steps to developing closer relationships with your parents or your children, right? And so, um, you know, one of your major projects in your relationships category could be like Sunday dinner, right? And another project could be bedtime stories. And, you know, and so, um, Mm -hmm. you know, when thinking of projects, it's easy to think of like, a project in the company, but these projects could also be related to spirituality, right? Like it could be, it could be related to everything. The basic idea is you're bringing intentional intentionality to something that you care about. Yeah. And, and you mentioned, you know, growth, because I feel like that that's everything. I mean, that's the whole thing. The reason why you're setting these monthly goals is because you're trying to grow, you know, each and every time, but you can't grow unless you have somewhat of an idea of where you want to go. Mm. And I think that that's such a huge aspect of, of setting your goals because you may not know exactly where you want to go or exactly, but you can have a general idea and you can break it down. I don't know if you've ever read like Atomic Habits. Mm. Um, phenomenal book. I recommend it like out of all the habit books. Yeah. Um, because chapter one, you realize they talk about that it's not just about goals because Mm. goals are nothing if you don't have the habits and the actions that make the goal possible. Mm. So like, let's say you have a big goal of, you know, doing, let's say, you know, I want to, I want to lose 40 pounds. All right. Well, what are you going to do daily? Cause you're not going to lose 40 pounds overnight. Mm. So maybe you start off with like, Hey, I'm going to go for a one mile run. And then he goes down, break it down even to the, the minicule, like a seven second habit where like you put your clothes out the day before, Mm. you know, and it's like these little types of things, these habits that help you to develop and get you closer to your goal by creating these small habits. And the small habits is what creates bigger habits, which then gets you to your goals. Yeah. It's, um, it's beautiful to look at the science behind, um, why some people do the things they do and why some people don't. And it's hard to understand habits when you're thinking about yourself, right? Because the easy explanation is, well, why do I work out in the morning? Well, I just do. It makes me feel good. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, it didn't always make you feel good. Maybe at a certain point in your life, laying on the couch watching Doritos and Law and Order made you feel good, right? But you've conditioned your body to Mm -hmm. crave the benefits of working out. Mm-hmm. And you've done it enough times in a row where it doesn't feel extremely labor intensive. It feels like what you should do mm-hmm. or what it's natural to do. Right. Yeah. And it's interesting that you brought up the whole Doritos and, and, and TV because when you're doing those things, it's great. Mm-hmm. You love it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then afterwards is when you don't feel great. So it's one of those things. Um, I know I've heard this quote. I don't know where it's from. They talk about alcohol. And it's like, uh, you're borrowing tomorrow's happiness, basically. (laughs) And it makes a lot of sense. And what's what's so interesting about the reverse effect, when you start doing things for yourself, it literally has that reverse effect, where you run the day before, and you put good things in your body, and then you feel amazing. And so it's it's the opposite. So, you know, who are you trying to take care of? Like, stop being selfish on your, you know, self right now and help your self tomorrow yeah and and i think the other part in thinking about this is the compound effect right so um the wins of taking that next right action and keeping that promise you made to yourself feel small so in that moment you're at the pizza parlor you're the person who orders the salad right it feels well what's the big deal if i eat the the one piece of pizza or the two pieces of pizza the the instant gratification that comes with eating the pizza versus the long-term win if you eat the salad. Now, eating the salad isn't going to provide some immediate dividend, right? Like there's not, you know, some big benefit that you're going to get from eating the salad and you might have to like bite your teeth a little, you know, and feel a little, oh, I wish I could have some pizza, blah, blah, blah. But the truth is, is your life is full of a thousand little moments. And that choice to eat that salad once multiplied a thousand times will result in a vastly different person than the person who makes the decision to eat the pizza a thousand times. 
Yes. And it's an interesting thing that you brought up the salad in the pizza parlor shop because <laughs> there's a similar level of judgment that can come with that. Yeah. I know when I go out with my friends and, you know, you order a sandwich or something and they're like, well, do you want fries or a salad with that? And you're not, like, you know, you get a salad and like, come on, well, you're getting a salad. You yeah, know, so again, yeah. there's like that certain level of judgment that sometimes come where you have to be, again, like sure of yourself that you're comfortable with getting the salad however oh sorry what were you gonna say i think just the key is that people project their own bullshit you know it's, <laughs> it's like uh, anybody who is making a comment let me let me give an example this is kind of a funny example is i run in the mornings when it's hot i prefer to run with no shirt on i just like the i like the it feels free i just like to do it right i've gotten some pushback from a couple people that are like will say like no shirt put your shirt on but it's interesting that the people who make those comments typically are people who don't feel good about the way they look, mm. right? The same way that the person who makes the comment, like if you choose the salad in front of me, I would never say, come on, man, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. because I understand why you're eating the salad. And um, it's not that like I'm better than anybody, right? That's not what it's about. It's just, I understand where your perspective and I'm like, oh, good for Nick. He's choosing to eat the salad. It's somebody who feels insecure about the choices that they're making that then is projecting that insecurity by, you know, degrading or judging or commenting on you trying to stay aligned with your values, you know? Yeah. And I think there's another side of it too. So I remember one time I was at football and one of the guys said to me, he's like, yeah, I think we're going to go get some pizza. He's like, you don't even eat pizza, do you? And I'm like, What? Yeah, I eat pizza, you know? I love pizza. I love cheeseburgers, I love cheese steaks. <laughs> yeah. And and so there's a part of one, you know, treat yourself, treat yourself, you know. Um Parks and Rec got to love it. Um but then also, you know, rewarding yourself, you know, for every once in a while. But everything is moderation. Mm. I mean, if you know me well, I have a tub of uh Ben & Jerry's ice cream in my freezer at all times. Basically at all times. It's been consistent now for the last like three, four years of just having ice cream in my freezer. But what I do is I'll take it out every once in a while. It's not every night. Um, and I'll eat a couple spoonfuls and I put it back. I'm not sitting there and eating the whole tub, you know? And so I think it's important to reward yourself on certain occasions because it's going to help you to not get that, um, you know, where you binge mm -hmm. and, you know, if you don't give yourself, then you're like, oh, I'm, uh, I've been really good. I'm going to eat the whole tub. And then that hurts you. Yeah. Let me um, pivot. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Um, because I feel like uh, in part of teaching, right, which like I, I thoroughly enjoy like sharing what's worked for me and hoping that it helps people out. But I think sometimes we leave out um, the rawness of the struggle. So uh, I thought it would be helpful maybe to ask and then maybe I'll address the same thing on like what habits are you struggling with? What things maybe broader are you uh, going through right now um, that you aren't where you want to be with and that um, maybe you're not sure of the answer? Interesting. Yeah, that's a good point. So, um, you know, for me, one of the things that I'm doing right now because I'm in a transitional phase is, mm -hmm. uh, you know, working a lot. Um, you know, it's, it's every day all day a lot of the time mm -hmm. um i have gotten better at like setting times where i'm doing certain things that kind of gets me out but there's a level of being able to you know for example i want to have like a family you know what good is being super rich if i don't have like people to spend it with yeah so there's like a level of where sometimes where i'm like so in the grind and working so hard then I'm like, what am I, you know, doing this for? You know, mm -hmm. a lot of times there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there like, oh, I'm doing it for my family or, mm -hmm. you know, I'm doing it for, you know, my kids, my wife, whatever. Um, whereas for me, it's almost, there's a certain level of, of I don't want to say selfishness, lack of a better word, because I hope that with my success, I can accomplish more, you know, have more impact, be able to donate more money to charity, things of that sort. Mm -hmm. But... I think that that's a struggle that I often have of being more social in mm -hmm. certain aspects 
And I'm like, what kind of girl wants a guy that's just like working all the time? Mm. Yeah. I think being uh, single is actually like a good vulnerable topic to talk about. Um, And being single in entrepreneurship and um, the comments you made about, you know, balance, but also um, I definitely can relate to um, comments about what's your why, right? Like, who are you doing it for? Mm -hmm. Um, Because even at the seminar I was just at, I heard a lot of awesome presentations that were like, you know, I... Brendan Burchard talked about doing it for his wife, Denise, who had the bills piled on top to yeah. her when he's in bed, story, not yeah. being able to do it for himself, but seeing his loved one with covered in his bills Literally, gave him yeah. that, like, raised the necessity so it had to be accomplished. And I've definitely had, um, in moments, that same talk, like, who am I sharing this journey with? Um, who is my why, right? Like, um, and I think the... Um, what's the word? The um, the pleasure, the uh, the thing I've fallen back on, um, in make in comforting myself, is that I feel like in the grand scheme of life, this growth period I'm going through is like a pebble in the sand of my life, mm-hmm. and um, between the last three years, twenty five and twenty eight, I've totally pulled a 180 on who I am and who my habits are and who my routines are. And, um, I don't think if I was, you know, in a relationship, I might've been able to like really love myself in the same way and really try to improve myself in that, in that way. And, um, I think the reality is that if I would have met somebody a year ago, even, they might have fallen for a totally different guy, right? Mm. Because I feel like I've just grown and changed so much. And there's certainly uh, a beautiful element of growing together with somebody. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you're going through such a personal crisis, for lack of a better word, such a uh, personal growth period, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think it makes sense to do the work first. Yeah, you know? no, I and I agree, and I think I tell myself that as well, where it's like now's the time, you know, and, and it is interesting that you brought that up, because I definitely felt that same point more so. I'm less in the transition. I feel like I'm more hitting the curve versus the, the transition mm-hmm. of being like, I'm turning into a different person. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel the same way. It's beautiful, it's isn't so it? It's <laughs> yeah. And I think that that's a big, a valuable lesson here. It's like, it's not like we came out of the womb like this. Yeah. You know, we're two guys, we're young, you know, we're we're in our late 20s and we decided to make some changes to better ourselves and better our futures. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that's the big thing. That's the big word. Yeah, you want to live for today, but, you know, what kind of actions are you going to set in place to help yourself in the future? I love the fitness one. I've talked about now this on on previous episodes as well, because every time that you make those bad choices of bad physical habits and bad diets, you're hurting your future self. Potentially, if you have if you're planning on having kids in the future and you are overweight now, then when you do have kids, one, you're going to have less time to be able to get in that shape. Mm. And then when your kids grow up, you're going to be much more harder to take care of. You know, people that are obese, they die, you know, like a decade earlier, you know, minimum, you know, there's people that are healthy. I mean, I mean, I want to live till I'm a hundred. That's my goal. So, um, you know, it comes, I want to be, be able to be fit, but because I'm already planning ahead to that, that aspect where I want to be able to, and obviously anything can happen. I get hit by a bus, but you know, at the end of the day, it's about being happy where you are happy about the choices that you're making, but still preparing for the future. Yeah, I, um, I think that's well said. And um, I think what, what I take out of this is um, just to take an honest look at like where I'm at, um, because what Nick said is totally true. Um, I'm proud of some of the, the steps I've been able to take in my personal and professional life. Um, but there's a lot of room to grow. You know, and um, if I take, you know, a hard look at myself, a lot of times I'm still can be very selfish, right? Like I can be very concerned about 
my own minuscule problems. And something I learned working with other people in recovery is sometimes you just got to shift your perspective a little bit. And, um, you know, we would say when we would go to like a meeting that you you lay all your problems down on the table, Mm -hmm. you see everybody else's problems and you pick yours back up. Right. And sometimes, uh, I'll get into a rut because I'm just obsessing over myself and over my problems that really aren't that important in the grand scheme of things. And, um, where I could be of much more use to everybody else is to serve, right. And to, um, help somebody else with something they're going through. And the ironic part about that is in doing that work and helping somebody else, you start to feel better about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a great point. It almost ties back into, um, habits. So for me, one of my daily habits is, is gratitude. And that's something that I often tell other people to, to implement, um, because it's so powerful Mm. because yes, you know, you're going to think about problems that you're having, but when you start your day and you think about all the things that you're grateful for, and originally I used, and I've been through transitions of journals and, uh, you know, the five minute journal and then like, you know, open writing. And now I have a different structure based on the miracle morning, Mm. um, which is a great book. I recommend that. Um, but when you start writing what you're grateful for every single day, it mm. makes the day that much better because you take for granted. And sometimes people are like, well, do you just write the same thing every day? Um, sometimes it's the same, but that's where the challenge comes. If it was easy to write gratitude every morning, then, then it wouldn't have the same effect. Mm. But it makes you think deeply about more things that you're grateful for. You know, I'm grateful for the air. I'm grateful for, like, I've written, you know, I'm grateful that I have both my eyes that work. You know, two legs. It's things that people don't have, but you take for granted every single day. Mm. You know, I often say that I'm grateful for certain people. I'm grateful for my family. I wrote, you know, I'm grateful for James oh, today. Thank you, yeah, so it's good to have, um, you know, people in your life and, you know, you know, just things that are going on. And when you reflect every day, Every day, every morning, make it a habit. I do it while I'm eating breakfast in silence Mm. um, every morning. And it has such a profound impact on the rest of your day. And I think it's beneficial to even consider it throughout the day. Because I think at the end of the day is when it's toughest. Mm. When you're starting to think about things, especially when you're coming home from work potentially. And you're stuck in traffic. And don't get me wrong. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm going to traffic. But I, I know that with this practice... A lot of times I'm just like, I'll get home when I get home. And, you know, you see some people on the road, how crazy they are. I'm kind of pivoting here a little bit. But, again, to me, it all comes back to the gratitude of just being grateful. And, hey, I'll get I'll get home when I do, you know, and I'm going to have food on the table, which other people don't have. And, mm. you know, I have an apartment, you know, a roof over my head. There's just so many things to be grateful for. Mm. It's... um. It's the perspective shift of, you know, I think Gary Vee takes it to like the most fundamental, which is like how lucky we are to be humans, right? And um, it's just the same idea of like your problems aren't that important. You have a reptile brain that's destined to seek fear. And so if you don't really have anything going on, it'll find something, it'll latch onto it, and it'll make it seem like the world's going to freaking end. Mm. And the reality is, it just isn't. Yeah. And it's interesting because I was listening to a podcast uh, recently and they were talking about decisions Mm -hmm. and making big decisions. And kind of, I guess, to sum it up in short, obviously it's a longer longer episode, but one of the things was like, in the grand scheme of things, it's probably not going to matter. You know, whatever that decision is, Mm. it's probably not going to matter. The biggest decision that you're thinking of, either way, probably. And even if it does, it's like the indecision that causes more problems. Mm. And I think that I love that lesson of not making a decision and how that actually is making a decision by not making a decision. (laughs) Um, This is what James Redmore said, and I I love it because it's so great, where if you're not sure what to do, make a move. Take an action. If it's wrong, you know that that's the wrong way to go, and you know you got to go the other way. Yeah. Um, to me, that was a, such a, a powerful thing because 
I've noticed the more that I start doing things, the more that I start take, taking action. I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, man, I, I, I don't like to say, well, I'm really lucky. You know, or like I'm, I'm really lucky. I like to think that a lot of the things that I've been doing have gotten to me where I am today. Sure. You know, the choices that I started to make, the actions that I started to take, has been able to progress. Somebody always, I always get these comments on my Instagram story, like, "Man, I wish I had your energy. I wish I had your, you know, willpower or enthusiasm." I'm like, this didn't happen overnight. Yeah. You know. Yeah. The, I always say with energy in particular, maybe this is a good. Uh, a good way to end, wrap it up is energy. You generate energy. Like the power plant generates energy. It doesn't have energy, right? And so my favorite compliment is when people tell me about my energy because I take it damn proud, right? Like I'm like, thank you. Cause I work really hard on my energy levels. <laughs> yeah. It's not this thing that I just like wake up super excited. It's probably my favorite compliment to get. It is. It's yeah. great. I mean, it's setting the intention. I know I've gotten comments at the office where they're like, you know, I bring an energy in. Well, a lot of times when I'm walking down that hallway before I walk into the door, I'm like, hey, here we go. Let's get the energy going first thing. I want to be like, hey, how are you doing? And you feel it. When yeah. you bring the energy, you actually engulf the energy and feel that level that you're trying to, not fake, but you're trying to, when you try to do it, be intentional about Be it. Be intentional, yeah. then it actually makes you feel good. I know Tony Robbins has talked about where like, if you just smile and you're like, this is so awkward, or you laugh, then all of a sudden you start actually smiling and you start laughing. You know, it's just the, the ability to just try to do it and then you become in that state mm. in changing your, you know, your state. And this doesn't happen overnight. James and I have worked towards <laughs> this and we're not stopping anytime soon do you have any no. uh final final words i was just gonna say uh thank you brother i'm honored to uh be included and uh i can't wait to see what the future holds for you my friend awesome i'm excited to to see what holds for both of us and i think that this podcast this episode you know culminates everything that uh we try and do and for all our listeners out there let's remember and let's keep growing together